Welcome to Life in the Pit, a podcast about the lives and adventures of instrumentalists within the wonderful world of musical theater. And now, here is your host, David Lane. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 34. It is good to be with you once again this week. Uh, This is coming out on Friday, January 29th, and if you happen to be listening to this episode this weekend, uh, you can catch a live stream of me performing a show uh, tonight, January 29th, and also uh, on the 30th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, You can find that if you go to uh, Facebook and go to Winston-Salem Theater Alliance to their page. Uh, They are doing a one-person show uh, accompanied by one pianist, and that would be me, and the show is called Diva, Live from Hell. And um, if the title doesn't quite give it away, I'll just go ahead and say it is not a family-friendly show, but if you like R-rated comedy and and just want, uh, you know, just to laugh for about an hour and a half. I think it's actually less than that. It's about an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, Certainly check that out. Diva Live from Hell. Facebook, um, Winston-Salem Theater Alliance, and that would be tonight and tomorrow. And uh, and I'm not sure there may be an archive later on, but I'm, I'm not sure about that. At any rate, as I mentioned at the end of the last episode... This is the first of a series of percussionists or drummers that I'm going to have on the show. Um, And I also mentioned last time, I hope that doesn't discourage you uh, thinking, you know, well, this is going to be repetitious. Uh, Actually, we talk about very different things. I don't, I think we hardly repeated anything uh, on the three conversations. I've already, already recorded them. Probably the most I talk about the instruments themselves, uh, percussion instruments, is in our conversation today. Uh, so I do hope that you'll listen to all three of these episodes. They're very different, uh, different perspectives. Uh, although the first two are related, as I'm going to be talking about. I'll go ahead and tell you that next week I'm going to be talking to uh, Mike Lasley. And he's mentioned a couple of times in this interview uh, with Christina Lauder, my guest today. And that's largely due to the fact that they have... Uh, two sides of the exact same story, so I thought it would be fun to put those episodes back to back. But as I just mentioned, today's guest is Christina Lauder. Christina Lauder is a middle school chorus teacher in uh, Guilford County, North Carolina, and she also is a percussionist and a drummer, plays a lot of shows in, in her area, including a lot at Elon University, which has come up a couple of times on the show, and we're going to be talking a lot about playing at Elon and just her experiences uh, in the pit, particularly um, as a female drummer, but also she has played shows while pregnant. (laughs) We're going to talk about that and also played a show while she was very sick and uh, a lot of fun stories coming up. Um, As soon as I cut to this interview, it's going to sound like I started in the middle and that's uh, a little bit by design. Uh, Very often when I uh, recorded these conversations, I'm recording off the record early on while I'm doing a sound check. Uh, but what we were talking about was kind of interesting, and it gets referred to in the actual interview itself. So this is going to be an abrupt cut to the middle of our conversation, but let's go ahead and go there right now. This is my conversation with Christina Louder. I teach in the afternoon and it's like, yeah, got to get off zoom and walk for a bit before I get um, back on. <laughs> for sure. Are you teaching composing or? Uh, I, I sometimes do. I have one student does that, but mostly piano. Piano. Yeah. Yeah. How is that? Like I have not, I have not taught any lessons. I mean, I teach school online, but I haven't taught any like right. private lessons online. Uh, it's good. Uh, in, in some ways I, well, in a very few ways, I like it better, but, you know, but in some ways, I guess more ways than not, it's, you know, lacking a little bit. I mean, the nice thing is, is like, I can move my phone around, I can show like angles, you know, what, what the hand's doing, you know, and, sure. um, you know, a little bit, you know, zoom in. I mean, it's actually, it's kind of handy. It's like, I've always, 
wanted to show people how I see things when I'm sight reading and I can put the camera right on the frame, you know, <laughs> that you right, should be right. seeing, you know, so yeah. So Christina, thank you for taking time out. We're, we're, we're having this conversation on a Saturday. So thanks for taking time out of your weekend to chat. With yeah. Me. Yeah. Of course. It's great to be here. Uh, great to do uh, something a little different nowadays. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, I've only gigged with you one time. I uh, played parade, uh, 2016 in the fall with you at, uh, at Elon and, uh, so, so I haven't seen you since then. So how are things, <laughs> how have things been going for the last four uh, and a half years? <laughs> things, uh, things have been good, you know, um, been doing gigging, been teaching, uh, growing a little family. Uh, you, you saw me one of the first shows I was back after having my son. Right. Um, and, uh, I just had my daughter, uh, Alex in, uh, March, actually she was, she's my pandemic baby. Nice. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, you know, very, uh, very busy. That's for sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're going to we're going to talk about like being pregnant and playing gigs and, and just a little <laughs> later. Um, so I was I was thinking you were pregnant during parade and my wife was telling me, no, I thought it was damn Yankees. And apparently is both. Right. <laughs> oh, so when was damn Yankee? I don't have good memory. Uh, for... Well, or, or I don't know if it was damn Yankees, but it was whatever show you did last year. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So. So, yeah, it would have been. Yes, that would have been correct. Was parade in the fall or the spring? It was the fall. fall it was the fall. fall. Fall of 2016. 2016. Yeah. So no. So I I would have been pregnant. Uh, I was pregnant for Damn Yankees, but um, parade. I, I do remember parade because I had a uh, a very young baby and I was extremely tired for that show. And oh, I, I, see. I remember that for a specific reason. We can talk about that later. Sure. <laughs> okay. Um, well, let's let's just go ahead and start off. So you play percussion. Um, mm-hmm. It was that the first thing you played or how did you get in started with music? Um, yeah, no, actually, uh, the first instrument I played, well, was piano. Um, mm. but I started as a flute player in middle school band. Mm. Um, my, my whole family are actually, um, musicians and music teachers. So both my parents were, uh, public school music teachers up in New Jersey. They met in, uh, music, you know, music, getting their degree in music education and uh, I followed that line. You know, I resisted it for a while. My mm-hmm. older sister went to school for music ed. A couple years later, I'm going to college. I kind of was resisting it. But at that point, it was uh, everything I liked was music. All the classes I was taking in high school that I enjoyed the most were, you know, the music classes and the ensembles. Um, and so I went to Penn State for my music education degree. Mm-hmm. And um, there is when I sort of really started playing shows. Um, got into the uh, college, it was, it was called the Penn State Thespians, and they were just a college group, uh, totally student run. And so I got into playing musicals there and really, you know, took off from, you know, kind of took off from there, I guess. Um, and also, you know, when I was growing up, I was actually involved from theater, but on stage. So I was very, our family was very heavily involved in a community theater for, I mean, since I was like seven or eight. Right. I probably did like 15 or 20 stage shows um, on stage, singing and dancing and doing doing all that stuff. So Right. Do you remember what your first now. show was? Oh, my very first show would have been Really Rosy. Hmm. It's a little kid's show. I'm really rosy. And I was a very shy child, um, but, I, but I could definitely like sing. And so the director was very good about, she always tried to like give the most amount of kids parts, you know, like double, triple cast. This is what she did. And she gave me this part, but didn't give me the lines because I was like a little bit too shy for that, but gave me a little singing line. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of my first experience and it just grew from there. So. Nice. So, so you were in college before you played, um, in the pit. Is that, um, I guess my first show I actually played was high school. My senior year of high school, we did, um, sound of music okay. and I did play in the pit. So that was really my first, my first experience was, sound of music, which for, from a drum percussion perspective was kind of a good starting point. Cause it's, you know, a, a, a pretty basic show. Um, so it was a good place to start for sure. Yeah. A lot of two, four time, I assume. <laughs> uh, boom, chick, boom, chick, and some bells. Yes. <laughs> that's a, that's, that's a lot of it. My, my only Rogers and Hammerstein 
show. I mean, I've, I've played an orchestra before and done like medleys of things. And I've played songs on the piano, but the only full length show is Oklahoma. And, <gasps> and that was the very first show that I got to stick conduct. I didn't have to play the keyboard at all. And I just got so tired of down, up, down, up, down, up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, and then it came, yes. And then, and all the waltzes were in one. So it was just, <laughs> I don't, I don't think I ever did a side beat more than, maybe, I don't know, 10% of the time. <laughs> yeah. Mike Lassley and I actually co-music directed that show. Uh, oh, I'm not going to remember the year, but a while ago and uh, he played piano and I conducted as well. So I, I, I feel that very, very much so. Yeah. So uh, I kind of skipped over this question, but you know, this, but this brings us back to present day. So what is it you do when you're not performing? Um, yeah, so I am a middle school chorus teacher, actually, uh, here in Guilford County. This is my 12th or 13th year teaching. And um, yeah, so that obviously takes up a majority of my time. Uh, and I I really love it. I don't know that if you had asked me 20 or 30 years ago what I thought I would be doing, that it would be teaching middle school chorus, but I sort of landed there and I really love it. So, um, and then I'm, you know, a mom of two young kids, which keeps me extremely busy in the other times. Right. That might be as much of a full-time job. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, now, how is it being a choral teacher during the pandemic? Because you've got <laughs> latency problems. So I assume that have you been able to do that at all on Zoom or just masks you know, in person? Um, it's been tough. So we've been we've been fully remote. So I have not my school has not gone back at all yet. Um, and I've just been really doing other, a lot of other things with my kids. We just finished like a song parody assignment. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we do rehearsals where I am singing and I'm just crossing my fingers and hoping they're singing. Our County does not require that cameras are on. There's a lot of equity issues there. So, um, you know, I do have some that have them on and some that don't and, uh, they're middle school. So they're, you know, they're very, they're very Mm self-aware. Um, and so, or self-conscious, you know, uh, right. and so it's, yeah, so it's an interesting process and the feed really, how do I know how they're doing is, you know, recordings that they send me, we use a really great sight reading website where, you know, it gives them an exercise and then they record it and I can see what they were looking at and hear them. And so, um, just like you were saying about private teaching, how there's some things that are actually great about it. Like there's some awesome things that, that I have taken out of this and that, I will continue to use when we're back in the regular classroom. Um, but I definitely miss the, the, the real group singing is you, you just can't, you just can't, you know, you can't replace that. Um, so I'm trying to keep my kids spirits up and uh, you know, and for it to just to be a place that uh, we can be and we can uh, enjoy each other's company and learn some stuff and try not to kill the chorus program in the time where we're not performing, you know? Right. <laughs> I, I really have a lot of respect for anybody who teaches teaches middle schoolers because um, I just remember that was the time of my life that I just I would never want to relive. You know, they say if you could go back, you know, back in time to your younger self, even with things, you know, now, would you want to relive it? nothing sooner than the age of 14 for me. <laughs> so, not if I, if I got to go through middle school again, I just, you know. Uh, because it was just such a such an awkward time, and and I think it was just a lot of the people that I was around. It's it's where childhood is coming into adolescence. So so like you know people who are maybe a little mean spirited. It just seems like it comes more to the forefront there, where they kind of learn to rein that in a little bit in high school. And <laughs> yeah, they're like trying on a lot of different hats in middle school, and yeah, it's definitely it's definitely an interesting place to be. It keeps it, it ke- again, it, it keeps it very exciting. I would say, right. um, I definitely know that I, I know, think that I was like, you know, kind of made for middle school. Um, right. uh, I think my sense of humor works well with that age group. Um, and you know, but for sure it's like, it's super awkward basically. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, for, for me, it might have to do with the fact that, um, when I was in seventh grade, I was still the sp- just about maybe the smallest person in the class, you know, and I did not hit any kind of a growth spurt in my life until I got to eighth grade. I grew six inches in eighth grade. So, Whoa. you know, so it was like finally, and I've, you know, I was never tall, but like, Oh, I'm finally like average now. <laughs> so that was nice. Yes. 
Um, yes. So, you know, going into, you know, going into eighth grade being 4'11 was one thing going, you know, at least being 5'6 <laughs> going to ninth, it's like, okay, I'm not tall, but, you know, we're getting somewhere. But but then it's funny, kids have changed so much now because I, I remember looking, uh, one of my part-time jobs is music directing at a church. And, and you know, there was, there was a time that we had a pretty sizable youth group. And I remember one time just looking at them after church, and I was like, every last one of them were as tall, if not taller than me. Like, even the <laughs> girls in, who were sixth and seventh grade, and I'm just like, and I just I just looked to the person next to me, I said, I think all these kids are having um, GMOs. <laughs> in their right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I have I have two, uh, two kids that are in one grade level who, one of them looks like, they're in eighth grade right now. Um, and one of them looks like she could be in high school and the other one looks like she could be in elementary school. I mean, it's crazy. You know, you get that sort of mixed bag in middle school. Yeah, I have a uh, there's a friend that I still follow. I still um, we we still keep up on Facebook and and maybe Instagram, too. I think we have we're both named David. We met in seventh grade. We have the exact same birthday and birth year. We are exactly the same age old. In seventh grade, I was four eleven. He was six foot two. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's on par for seventh grade. So, yeah. <laughs> for yeah, sure, pretty funny. So, how many shows have you done for Elon? What kind of led to you doing shows there? Um, I have no idea how many I've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one was Hair, uh, back. Oh gosh, that was a long time ago. Probably I don't know twenty. I remember I was, oh, I remember I was engaged. So 2011, 2012, something like that. Okay. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, the music directors at Elon, there's been a lot of different music directors um, in, in the past couple of years. And um, I think it was, I think it was because I had known the music director through UNCG. That's how that I sort of got that first uh, that first gig and, and, you know, kind of just started from there. And then ever since then, I've pretty much played every show, um, that has required, you know, drums or percussion, um, except for when I've been, you know, unavailable, uh, and or pregnant. Right. Now, ironically, I think I checked with Kate, you're not playing this upcoming one, right? Which is, I am not. Right. (laughs) I was going to, I about a week ago. Yeah. And that's my second show with him. I'll be playing key key two for that so um and it's an interest it's an interesting part too it's like i'm i'm not one of those i mean even though a lot of the people i've interviewed they've talked about how uh like especially when they go on a national tour it's like they really mm-hmm. play the recording a lot yeah for whatever reason i don't know if it's just maybe maybe just some something a teacher said to me a long time ago i have a hard time doing that like i try to do everything i can without a recording because I, I really, really? want to mm-hmm. I really want to dissect it. Uh, but this one, you know, when you play the piano one book or keyboard one book, you get a lot of information, but the keyboard two, it's like there's a lot of stuff missing. So so I've got I've got it queued up on Spotify. I'm going to listen to it <laughs> tonight like and tomorrow playing, and just go through it. Just because I don't that's know like this playing a, a drum book, David. Yeah. That's pretty much that's pretty much exactly it. You know, yeah. because yeah, for, for drums a lot of time I mean, you know very rarely do you get a book um, that's written like note for note where the, you know, the, the arranger really does is it's written for you to play everything that's there. And it's clearly written from perspective of someone who really knew what they were doing as far as percussion writing. But a lot of the times, I mean, you've got to listen to the recording to know um, what the actual intent of the writing of the writing is. Right. Right. You know, yeah, you were mentioning that. And I was just thinking, you know, one of the things that I've done in the pandemic is record uh, well, rehearsal tracks, but also some complete tracks, you know, for, uh, you know, these productions, especially in the pandemic, they don't they don't have the space mm-hmm. because limited, you know, you know, you got to stay you got to stay distant uh, or money to hire a band. And one of them was a show called Working. I don't know if you know that one. It's uh, I haven't looked into the show itself, but it's. um Apparently, it's kind of masterminded by Stephen Schwartz, and he wrote some of the songs, but yeah. so did Lynn Manuel Miranda, and then a bunch. And there are several other names I didn't recognize, but it's like it's kind of like a little patchwork. It's like everybody kind of did a song, but it's it's all arranged by Alex Lacklamore of uh, 
you know, famous for Hamilton and many other mm-hmm. musicals. And that show, that what they licensed for that was the show version they did in in Chicago. And and it's very detailed. It even tells you use main stage for the keyboard. Then all the drums are everything's written out because I had recorded the drum parts on the keys. You know? Oh <laughs> and, wow! And it has it has everything. It even tells you when it's a cross rim, you know, or, uh-huh. <laughs> or something like I, that. Yeah, definitely more uh, more modern shows for sure. Uh, yeah. For sure, are looking like that. You know, that are written more specifically. Right. Um, you know, than than the older books. Yeah. And I never even realized this. You know, the the first percussionist I talked to on the show was was Jim Brandt, and he mm-hmm. and he said, um, "There's some things that you have to know if you're, you know, a theater percussionist. For example, like if you want to be a purist, and you play like a Rodgers and Hammerstein show, well, the there was the hi hat wasn't really used back then. So he, <laughs> I'm not, and I will tell you this: I'm not a purist. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I, and I, I always like having those debates anyways, like, um, you know, when it comes to, like, Baroque interpretation, you know, we, mm-hmm. we go over that. Like, people have always argued, do you want to play it just the way Bach heard it? Or what if you transported Bach now, let him hear these instruments and, you know, right, hear what right. it sounds like with a damper pedal? And he might say, eh, kind of <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nice. Where have you played besides Elon? Um, so I've played for, uh, CTG, you know, community theater of Greensboro, um, high point community theater, done some for UNCG, uh, a little for Guilford college. Um, mostly just, mostly just those kind of those groups in the area, you know? Right. So I just thought I'd talk about, especially the, the gig that we had, we had, um, parade. <laughs> and, uh, first thing I'll just talk, say is, you know, I've, you know, I was seated kind of close to where you were, and I would be hard-pressed to think of a show that required more mental concentration for the person at the drum set in that show. Would that be correct? <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly uh, what I was kind of alluding to earlier. Yeah. Um, uh, the, you know, parade has a, a few different times during the show where there's just a snare drum vamp. Um, and I don't actually even remember what's happening in the show, but it's a long time and it's one measure for, I don't know, maybe five minutes, which I don't think sounds that long, but when you're doing it, it's extremely long. And it's, it's the, the same exact, you know, it's supposed to be the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it was like a four stroke roll, um, which requires, you know, just, just some real concentration in your hands and where the pressure is in the fulcrum of your hands. Mm -hmm. And, um, that, that show I had, you know, said earlier that I had a, uh, seven, eight month old, my son was seven, eight months at the time. And, you know, I was working full-time during the day, coming home for a couple of hours, then driving what, 45 minutes to Elon doing the show then going home at night, um, I was so tired when I got home at night, I called my mom on the phone a lot driving home just to make sure I like made it home. Um, and then the minute I got home, the baby was waking up and it was a, I mean, I was, you know, surviving on like four and five hours of sleep, maybe. And I remember, you know, playing that measure and like just trying everything I could not fall asleep. I mean, it was just, you know, I was having to concentrate so much, but then I was also so tired and it was definitely, uh, it was definitely difficult, uh, you know, uh, from the mental standpoint for sure. Right. So I was just looking, okay. So if I follow the schedule, if I keep the schedule, I have you followed by Michael Asley. So, so if I keep that schedule, so I'll, I'll present this episode and then I'll be presenting my episode with Mike the following (laughs) week. So I, but I've already talked to Mike. I've already recorded that conversation. So I've already got his side of this. And he reminded me of something that I had forgotten. I, for some reason I was thinking he had come in the middle of a show to play the second half, but I found out he was there just in case because you were, That was a show you were really struggling with. So what was that particular show? Like? Uh, yeah. So, um, and you know, I actually kind of forgot about this. I think one of those things maybe you prefer to forget about, but right. um, yeah, it was probably halfway through the first act of the show. I just started not to feel great. My stomach, we'll just call it some stomach issues, not feeling so great. And 
I, um, I think I started texting Kate, you know, who, um, you know, was the person in charge of getting all the instrumentalists. Why can't uh, the contractor, you know, she's over there playing French horn in the corner and I'm looking at her and texting her like, I don't feel good. I don't know that I can make it to the end of the first act. <laughs> like, I'm not sure. And as I said before, there are some, there's, it's not a drum heavy show, but there are very, there are some completely solo snare drum stuff that is vital for the show, you know? Um, and I, you know, I kept looking at her and I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to try to make it. I'm texting her. And I think that she was also at the same time texting Mike and asking him, uh, can you get over here? Because I don't know that Christina can make it through the show. Um, got to the end of the first act. I got out of that chair as fast as possible, ran to the bathroom, got back, still was not feeling great. Before the second act started, by what I remember, Mike was there and uh, he sat next to me. I'm sure he... Did, was just praying that I would make it through the show and didn't <laughs> we did not want to sit in on a show he's never played before. Right. Um, I know that if that was me, I would be sitting there like very nervous. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, he sat there and uh, I made it to the end of the show and it just was a weird little stomach thing. Um, but it was it was pretty terrifying, you know, truly. Right. There, there are some composers that, you know, I'd be okay sight reading, but Jason Robert Brown's not one of them. (laughs) And again, like when you're not, um, because like certain drum books are, you know, they're not some, a lot of times they're not written very specifically. And when I know I have a sub coming in, I make notes in a much more clear fashion than I do when it's, when I know that I'm playing the whole gig. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and usually the sub is playing some sort of rehearsal. And so for someone to just come in and read it, uh, yeah, it's, and especially during a show, I mean, that's just not a place that anyone wants to be, I don't think. Right. Um, so um, we're lucky it didn't have to get to that, but I was so thankful that he was there so that I knew that, you know, if anyone could have done it, Mike Lassley could have done it. That's for right. sure. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, he's already told me that was that was pretty anxious uh, for him, and and I, you know, I, I relate to that. The most stressful thing I've ever had to do thus far for theater, and I hope I never surpass it, was I had to sight read a uh, performance of La Caja Fall on keyboard one, and music direct. I had to lead the band, <laughs> and I did not know the show, and the band was situated where they could not see the stage, so it's like I had no visual cues. I had to go off lines. I had to trust that I could hear what was coming through the microphone on the stage. And I just told the band in advance, I said, for, thankfully it was their second, I think it was their second weekend, you know, so they had, and, and, and it was a Wednesday to Sunday deal. So they, they already had at least six, seven shows under the belt. And I just said, you guys, uh, I said to the drummer, you set the tempo. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, you guys just start playing when it sounds right. And I'll, catch along it's like if i recognize something that i'm pretty sure is clearly marked i will go with you (laughs) Uh, but that was i i actually cried tears of relief when that show was done i was just so struck because when you play when you jump in you don't have a rehearsal uh this is something we haven't really talked about much before but you know you very rarely open up a book that comes from mti or samuel french and just play it exactly as is. There's always yeah. things that because of the director, or the choreographer or whatever, it'll be some things like we're going to cut from rehearsal C to E. Uh, we're going to play from F to G twice. You know, and there's going to be yeah. things like that. Um, and this book had all kinds of cuts in it. And I was just trying to, you know, follow someone else's notes and and not to I mention mean, usually. But, yeah, usually for the orchestra, it takes a few rehearsals for to get everybody on track with all those cuts, you know, then yeah. trying to come in and sight read it, sight read it. And then there are things in five and six sharps. And it's just like, uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really tough. But and, and parade, I mean, parade was not hard for me because I was playing basically a part that I don't even think. Well, it's not licensed. You know, the, the part I play that actually doesn't come. I think it was extracted from maybe the Broadway recording oh. or, or something like that or, or or maybe it was a different version that I just didn't notice because because there was uh there was a group maybe in 2018 I think that asked me to music direct 
parade, but it was an independent group that was relying on a certain type of funding and that funding didn't happen. So we didn't get to do the show, (laughs) but I already had like a list of, you know, musicians and I was looking Mm -hmm. at the materials and I don't even remember seeing that second keyboard part. So it's like, I don't know where I don't, it's a mystery to me where it came from, but <laughs> right. But it was just color, you know, added on, and I'd, yeah. I'd had very little to do. It was Heidi that had to really do a lot of work. We already talked about that show <laughs> with her. <laughs> yes. Okay, so I understand since then that wasn't your only like you know interesting time playing a gig. That you you've had to you've had to play at least a show or two while you were pregnant, and so you're the first person I've talked to that's had to be uh, has had to. Uh, play a gig while pregnant in the pit. So uh, how did that change things for you? Um, Yeah, well, you know, it's, yeah, I've done it twice now. And I would say I played gigs up through, up through the second trimester. And then there comes a point where, first of all, being a percussionist and a drummer is different because you have so much equipment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, usually the places that I go to, you know, Elon, they're always grab some kids to kind of help move stuff in. But just getting a setup is, is a lot of, it's, it's pretty strenuous. And you remember the pit down there, you got to bend your head, you know, you can't stand up fully. So Mm -hmm. um, there comes a point where it's just kind of, for me, I say, okay, it's, it's just too much. And then it's also just not, not comfortable after a while. Um, One thing that I experienced that I pretty sure I thought was made up was uh, the idea of pregnancy brain. I don't know if you've ever heard of, you know, pregnancy brain, like people not, uh, not remembering things or baby brain as people call it. And I remember I played hairspray at UNCG, um, when I was pregnant, uh, the first time. And I feel like I never had to concentrate harder on, on what I was playing. You know, I mean, I just had to stare at that music and concentrate so hard. And it's the only thing that I could figure out was like, why am I having to concentrate so hard on this? The The book itself, I mean, it was very heavy drum set, but it, I wouldn't say it was, it wasn't like the most difficult book that I've played by, by any stretch. Um, but I had to really think about it. And at, at one point, uh, the, the track started and it was supposed to start with a, I, I was supposed to play a rim shot and then a drum solo. And we, you know, this is probably the second weekend of shows we had done it, you know, for a whole tech week and conductor looks at me and my brain just, bl- I mean, blank. Like, I don't know. I just like looked at him. I don't know what happened. I don't know what I played, whatever I played happened and the orchestra came in, but then I got like the death stare, you mm-hmm. know, and then I wanted to like crawl into my skin and yes, I'm going to blame it on pregnancy brain. Right. So, uh, <laughs> Um, so it's definitely interesting. Um, you know, the, I, I would also say the other, you know, hard part about that is then being out on leave, you know, after having leave, you know, after having the baby, not, not taking gigs. And, uh, that's also hard because, you know, you know, that so much about, you know, getting these kinds of gigs is your, um, you know, your, your connections and you, and you're, if you call someone and they're not available, then a lot of times you move on to the next person. Right. Right. And, you know, I know, I think, uh, both times I've been, you know, just concerned about, oh gosh, if I'm, if I'm not, if I'm going to take a certain amount of time off from doing these things to be, uh, because of pregnancy and because of having a young child, you know, how is that going to affect me, you know, continuing to get these gigs in the future? Um, and you know, it's just, it's just, uh, the burden of motherhood, I guess, but, um, you know, well worth it, but definitely something that, you know, I have, have had to deal with. So, yeah, uh, that's always been a tough thing. I think for me when, you know, there, there are a lot of times, I mean, there are times I say no and, and I, and I usually feel good about saying no, but I'm also wondering, Am I taking myself off of top of the list for the next time when I might want that gig? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I yeah, definitely. I mean, I've had to, you know, say that, you know, sometimes very rarely have I said it, I think only once or twice when it was just a show I just was not that interested in and right. also if it was like an insane setup, you know, for I mean, I typically take the drum book, not the percussion book. Um, and I mean, sometimes it's just almost seems like more trouble than it's worth, especially if it's a show that I'm not really jazzed about, you know? Right. Um, but, but there's always that concern, you know, there definitely is always that concern. So, right. You know, we didn't really talk about that. Uh, I I really haven't really mentioned this since, uh, I talked to Jim Brand on episode three, but 
you know, just dissecting drum book versus percussion book. Mm -hmm. And, and as you mentioned, you actually prefer the, the drum book is, is it, is there a reason for that? Is it something that you prefer about the drum book or don't, or that you definitely don't prefer about the percussion? (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, the setup would be one, um, for a percussion book, uh, you definitely have to a have a lot of equipment. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, there's a lot of things that I just don't have. I've had access to at different times of, uh, you know, during my life because of where I was working or when I was in school. Um, but I definitely don't have, you know, just a whole store of percussion instruments. Um, so it, you know, it's a lot of setup it, I think it takes more ahead of time preparation because you have to map out more so than in a standard drum set book, you have to map out where everything's going to be, you know, for drum set, like there's, you know, there's how the drum set's going to be. And then usually you always have a certain amount of toys and little things that you have to fit in. Mm -hmm. Um, But for a percussion book, I mean, sometimes you're moving between instruments so quickly, you have to have the stand in the exact right place to drop the mallet and pick up the triangle beater and have the triangle in the right place so that you can get to it. Um, so it's a little more, a little more effort than I kind of want to give for a gig that I'm making like $55. I mean, honestly, you know, and, um, you know, and also as far as like mallet parts, you know, um, there are, you know, I don't have a lot of practice time on mallet stuff as I did when I was back in college, you know, and my ability to read keyboard percussion has definitely declined since it's not a part of my, it's not a part of my daily life anymore. You know, um, when I was private teaching, it was, um, and maybe if I was still teaching, maybe if I was teaching instrumental in school, it would be, but I just haven't really been focused that much on that. And I find that I can pick up and sight read, um, and, and, or just read, you know, a drum set, book easier than a percussion book, especially if it has, you know, difficult, you know, tricky, tricky mallet writing. Um, it just takes, not that I can't do it. It just takes more, more effort and time. Right. You know, and I just have a lot more fun playing drum set, honestly. Right. Uh, this is just a side question as a, as an arranger and, mm-hmm. and I've gotten feedback from one drummer already, but just one, you know, it's nice to get multiple opinions. Um, so it's actually, I've, I've, been a composer for most of my life but i never before really last year started doing drum set arranging because mm. i'm an arranger for a show and and we finally gotten to the point where i had written the piano part i've written the cello part drums are next and um, right. and i worked with actually uh, i worked with jim brant on just kind of talking about that and he said some drum books it, when it's written out like everything's on one stem. So it's like, um, you know, everything's beamed together. But what makes it a lot easier for him, he said, mm-hmm. is if stuff with the feet is down stem and stuff with the hands is up stem. And you can just see that real quickly. Is is that your experience too? Um, you know what? I've, I've never really actually thought about that. Like, I don't think I've ever thought about that until <laughs> you just said that. And that, right. you know, I'm now interested to go and look at, some of the music that I have at home and see which, you know, which is what. Right. I mean, I, you know, it, it makes sense from, from that perspective for yeah. sure. Now I'll, um, I'll go ahead and say like, just at least with finale, it takes longer to do it that mm-hmm. way because you've got I'm to do sure. a layer one and layer two. Now I will say on arranging and composing, like one of my favorite or interesting shows to play was a, a new brain um, huh. by uh, William Lip. Yeah. Uh, he also did Spelling Bee, uh, the 25th annual Putnam right. County Spelling Bee. And I have found that both of those shows were so well written for drum set and percussion. It's just one person, drum set and percussion. And a lot of times those books just are not written with the idea of this is one person and how much they can they do. And, you know, and I mean, the writing in that book and arranging was just so easy to do. Right. Really, really um, I mean, lots, you know, they f- basically fit in everything that they could possibly do as far as instrument and sounds, but it definitely, it definitely takes, takes some knowledge for sure. Right. So I did want to ask you uh, one thing. You play for something called Grand Night at Elon. The style that you do for that is probably a little different than for the show. So what is Grand Night at Elon? Uh, yeah, it is a, like a collage performance of all student directed small, basically small group songs from a bunch of different musicals. 
So it's every student in the musical theater department. And maybe it's like 15 to 20 uh, pieces that we do. And I'm given the keyboard score and the vocal score. So I'm not given a drum chart. And we put on this production and it's, you know, it's, uh, it's done in a black box. There's no sets or anything like that. So it's just the kids performing. They do their, you know, they create their own choreography and their own blocking. And it's, you know, very student led. And we do it in the spring. It's called Grand Night. And then they redo it in the fall minus the seniors, basically. And then they, they call it collage in the fall sometimes. And they don't, they obviously don't have all the same songs because some are, you know, they're unable to do, but it's very different from my perspective because a, it's only keyboard and drums. It's in a black box theater. So, you know, you don't have, and I'm not behind a shell or anything like that. So sound is definitely a concern as far as making sure that I'm not overpowering the keyboard or the singers. So just more of that, the more of just an acoustic balance than when we're in the pit. And, and yeah, going off of the piano book and the recordings, and this is a place where recordings play heavily into preparing for it is listening to the recordings and, you know, just seeing what's there and making lots of notes. I don't write out another drum chart. Um, I, I stick with the piano chart, but, uh, it's, it's, right. you know, it's, it's super fun, but it is, it is definitely different. But yeah, so a lot more, um, improvisatory, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely a lot more, a lot more improvisation. Um, <clears throat> so on that note, do you have, um, do you have experience with drums outside of theater? Have you like played with a rock band or jazz band or anything like that? Um, I, you know what? Actually, no. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've never, I've yeah. never really done that. I mean, in, um, in, you know, some, some little stuff, uh, but, right. um, nothing, you know, nothing, nothing serious at all. And, right. uh, most, yeah, most of my, most of the experience has been that, I mean, I have, you know, I've played in jazz bands in, in high school and college. Right. Um, but you know, but never outside of that played for a bunch of churches and, and, and that, but, you know, really a uh, musical theater pit is sort of where I, th I feel like I, you know, found my niche in college and then just right. kind of went, went from there. And, you know, I, oh gosh, I would, I'd love to be in a rock band, honestly, maybe, right. you know, maybe when the kids are grown and I don't have a full-time job, that'd be a fun little, fun little retiree project. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I'm, I've met some drummers before, like who play in bands and, and mm -hmm. because like, if you're, whether you're in a rock band or a jazz band, like if you're in a jazz band, you're probably playing off the same <clears throat> real book lead sheet that the pianist mm -hmm. and bassist are playing off of. So you don't have anything written out at all. And, and I've heard from drummers, like the first time they see a, part where it's like it actually shows you the pattern of of the bass drum and the snare drum and the hi-hat and all that and they're like they're like oh forget that i'm just gonna i'm just gonna do what sounds right <laughs> yeah <laughs> for that. and i think playing i think playing in a pit is that is that balance of both of those you know you have right. to balance out being able to play the chart and following following what's there but then also what you said, what, what sounds good. Right. And, and also, you know, sometimes the books that we're looking at were written for like what you were saying before, like a specific tour, you know, it's exactly mm -hmm. what was done. And maybe the production you're doing doesn't have as full of a pit as what was, you know, what was there before. Maybe the, the instrumentation is not the same. Certainly again, acoustic challenges, like when you have, it's written for brushes or it's written for sticks, but because of you know, if, if I'm not miked and I'm playing brushes on a cymbal in the pit, that's not even going to be like heard at all. You know, it's not, it's not going to be made. It's not going to make any sound. Um, so there's a lot of those sort of kind of more real world decisions you have to make in the moment. Um, right. And there's also a lot of improvisation, you know, because a lot of the charts are, are written similar to jazz where they'll just say the style and then you have two pages of repeat signs and then you have to, you know, feel for hits and all, all that, that different stuff to, you know, make it more than just a groove for two pages. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I remember uh, the very first, uh, very first show I ever did as a music director. Um, it was a jazz Christmas show. And, um, and I just, and, and I just noticed that there was a drum solo at the beginning and it just, it just said, sing, sing, <laughs> and, you know, and I just, 
I just asked the drummer, I said, does that mean anything to you? And he just he nodded said, yep, and went yep. boom, 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 <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Yep, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yes. So it's always fun. Yeah, sometimes I'll get references in the keyboard part and I'm like, ah. I have to go like Google what that means. I don't know what they're talking yes, about. Yes, I've I've had to do that before too. <laughs> yeah. Well, so other than like you know having a stomach bug and being pregnant, are there any horror stories that you have from a sh- from any of your shows? You know, I've been trying to think, and again, my my memory is is not great, but I, I don't think I really have any other any other really horror stories. You know, except for one time I had heard I was about to play a show and I'd heard through the grapevine that. Um, the music director who was new at the time and new to me at the time was a little miffed that the drummer and the bassist were female. Oh, wow. (laughs) And this is a little, yeah. And I was, well, not very happy with the assumption that, you know, girls can't play drums, obviously. Right. And so we, we go into that first rehearsal and this was a show that I particularly knew very, very well because I was in it when I was in high school in the community theater that I was in. And so I knew, I mean, I knew every word of every song. I mean, I knew that music back I mean, inside and out, you know, and we go into that first rehearsal and I was like, I was just fired up just to like prove myself. You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. it's so silly. And we played the first tune and I mean, I just, I just played the shit out of it. Like I was just like, <laughs> I am I, like, and then all of a sudden it was just like this, whoa, which I was also offended by, like anyway, I would have been offended, you know, yep. like I'm <laughs> playing, right? Like, you know, so that was, um, yeah, I don't know that I'd call that a horror story, but, uh, no, but that is something, you know, I thought about, uh, you know, things that we could talk about, you know, before the interview and, and one that I didn't include, but certainly, you know, it's, it's direction that I was willing to go is, you know, you play an instrument where there probably are people like who you mentioned that, that have, uh, I guess prejudices is the best word I can come up with. Um, or, you know, an unfair stereotype, you know, it's like if you played flute or violin, you know, you might, you know, that might not be a thing, but yeah, bass and drums, you know, I guess those are kind of more, I guess, man heavy instruments. So, but has that been your only instance of that? Or have you had, have you had felt like you had to prove yourself unfairly? (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. I I actually have kind of felt that and the opposite. Um, One other thing that sticks out in my mind is I went to, uh, went to New York to, I think it was run through Juilliard. It was like a Broadway percussion camp Mm -hmm. seminar thing. Um, and went to it and we had, you could choose to be in a masterclass. And so they would send you the music ahead of time and you were going to play. And the drummer who was actually playing that show on Broadway was going to be there and they were going to do this masterclass with you. So I had Chicago, Chicago, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. And so I had Chicago and, and I volunteered to the masterclass and I did it. And I remember just feeling like, I was given undue praise for how I was playing Mm. that it was like this. Yeah. Like, Oh, a girl who can play and who's not afraid to play. And the funny thing is there were more girls at this seminar than guys like that were actually there for the camp. Mm. And the girls that I was staying with, I was like, y'all like, be honest with me. Like, do you felt that? Right. Mm -hmm. And they were like, yeah, like, I mean, not trying to be offensive to you. Like you played well, but it's not like I'm not anywhere near this amazing best. Like, you know, I mean, I played what was there and I did it. I did a fine job, but even the director of it asked me to play again for another masterclass. Mm-hmm. And it was like, and he was praising me. And I felt, I, I felt a little sick about it because I felt like it was over praise. I felt it was, mm-hmm. I'm getting this extra praise because I kind of, I don't really play scared. And I, you know, I, I, I play confidently mm-hmm. and, I'm a decent player. Um, and I didn't, I, I definitely didn't, did not like that. You know, it didn't right. feel good. Right. Yeah. That's, that's very, that's very interesting. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what are some of your favorite shows you've played? Oh, favorite shows. Um, crazy for you mm-hmm. for sure. Um, in the Heights. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, so fun. Legally Blonde, I played a terrible production of it. It was, well, that was a horror story, actually. Um, It was just a terrible high school production. The director just yelled all the time. It was very demoralizing. It was in an awful auditorium, so I couldn't play very loud. Um, But for a drum show, it's fun. I mean, it is fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, Shrek is another really, that one kind of surprised me. Uh, I played that with Mike. Mike Lassley directed that one. Um, That was really fun. Rent. Um, well, I could keep going. Oh yeah. American idiot. Oh, I, I did that one. That was fun. Green day. I had to work up my punk rock chops for that. Right. Um, yeah, that was, that was very different, but fun. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. Um, well, crazy, crazier for you kind of sticks, uh, sticks out and all that. Cause the others are, I think you mentioned are mostly like modern rock yeah. musicals, although, yeah. uh, legally blonde is very eclectic. So, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, are there any shows that you that you have what, what's at the top of your bucket list of shows you haven't played yet well you know what? i'd love to do legally blonde again in a less <laughs> awful situation <laughs> nice. um i i'd really love to play newsies i've mm-hmm. just always liked that show like since i was a kid yeah. and for sure if ever we're allowed to do hamilton oh, um yeah. i mean sign me right up please like right just i mean yeah like absolutely right um yeah. I wonder what decade that'll be licensed. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm uh I'll be right there. So yeah. thank you for just coming on to to share your stories. It's been a pleasure having you on today. Yeah, absolutely. It's been great. Thank you so much for inviting me. And that concludes episode number thirty-four. Um once again for next week, um, you know, as you heard a couple times in this interview, you heard the name Mike Lasley. Oh, Mike Lasley, uh, he does play percussion, but he doesn't actually actively play percussion for shows anymore. He he is a teacher, uh, and he doesn't he does teach percussion, but he mostly plays keyboards and is a music director, and he's also been on the board of directors for a commu- for a community theater, and that's an interesting perspective that he's going to talk about next week. And he also is going to tell the other side of the story of when Christina got sick during the performance of Parade. So check that out next week, next Friday, on Life in the Pit. That'll be episode number 35. As a reminder, if you want to follow what's coming up next, be sure to follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Life in the Pit Pod. You can follow me on Instagram at David Lane Music or Twitter and Facebook at David M. Lane Music. As always, a special thanks to Mark Perolo for his cover art and to Bill Cisna for providing the introduction to this podcast. The theme music is composed and performed by David Lane. You can reach out, leave feedback, or find out more about the podcast at davidlanemusic.com slash podcast. Please rate and review on the Apple Podcast app, and please share with your friends. Thank you for listening.